whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. You know, I just think there are certain things that don't go well together. Um, let's see. Um, winter and flip-flops. Unless you live in California, where it's warmer. I was there. Snow and flip-flops. Um, peanut butter and salmon. Oh, that makes my stomach turn. Uh, food lies. I'm just thinking of food right now. I must be hungry. Um, ice cream and mustard. So, uh, fighting and sleeping. Hopefully people aren't fighting too much anyways, but uh, guns and babies, I hope. <laughs> I'm not making a statement about guns, but hopefully you're not putting them in a baby's hands, you know, no matter who you are. And, and then there are some things that, I'm just thinking food here, Sometimes they don't seem like they'll go together, but then it's like, oh, I'll give you one and you'll either really agree or really not agree. Ice cream and French fries. I like it. My husband thinks, my husband thinks I'm nuts. My granddaughter agrees with me. Uh, I did, I started doing a salad a while back where I would put strawberries and spinach and onions and celery. And that may sound horrible, but then when you have the right kind of dressing, it ends up being really, really good. Um, just different things, you know. Somebody got the idea to make a pineapple pizza with pineapple and ham, and again, either you love it or you don't. But there are just sometimes these things in life. Have you ever seen a duo of people that just felt like oil and water, and then they got together either as partners or as, you know, partners in life, as, as married people, and all of a sudden they're like, oh. That thing sometimes that seems to be the opposite, it's really one thing completing the other thing. You know, it's one thing filling the gaps of the others and they agree enough and they have enough commonality that the things that are different are really more complementary, like in artwork, than they are defying one another. Well, so what's making me think about that is this Friday, I'm going to have a weird day that has two things that seem to have nothing to do with each other. And the more I think about it, the more they have, the more they sort of complete each other. And it's going to sound weird, but I'll just tell you. Friday morning, I am attending the viewing for a family member who passed away. I have been keeping her name out of it because as we've gone through this as a family... Uh, because I wanted to give my brother and his children time to be with their mother, wife, and grieve. And, but now it's a matter of public, so I will say her name. My, my sister's name is, my sister-in-law's name is Vanda. And she has recently transitioned into the arms of the Lord um, in a peaceful way, surrounded by people she loves. And there will be a celebration of her life this Friday morning. However... <laughs> 
the funeral itself will be at one o'clock. I can't go to the funeral. I have to go to the viewing because Friday night, afternoon, evening, in a different state, <laughs> my daughter is graduating. <laughs> so I'm going to be at a viewing slash pre-funeral in the morning, and I will be at my daughter's graduation at night. First day of my summer vacation. <laughs> the last day of school is on Thursday, and on Friday I'm doing these two fairly seemingly opposing things, you know, we're celebrating on one hand my daughter really starting her adult life. She's been doing adult things for a lot long time now, and she's um, very proud of her, but there's just something about, you know, that graduation and stepping into the next level that seems very grown up and beginning of life in some ways and um and on the other hand we're celebrating my sister-in-law who has just transitioned out of this earthly life into the next life and uh, most might say prematurely she was pretty young she's not that much older than me and I don't think I'm that old and um there's such a sense of mourning in one and a sense of anticipation and an ending in one and beginning in the other. And it seems so opposing and so conflicting. And yet the more I thought about it, the more I realized how oddly and uniquely well the theme of this, they really echo against each other. And how oddly, even in the morning, the going of, you know, this partial celebration, just in just being able to see her and pay my respects and think about who she was and what she did in her life as a preparation for what I'm celebrating with my daughter later that night. Um, really, really odd. But you see, even as we started to prepare, particularly my brother and my nieces and nephews, for Vanda's transition into the arms of Jesus, there were stories that started to come through. There were witnesses that came through. People would write to me. People would, you know, write on Facebook. People would write and call Dave. People would send cards. And just celebrating the life that Vanda had. You see, uh, Vanda fought a very, very brave battle with cancer for a few years. And even at the end, the amazing thing is she was at peace. She was at peace. Her daughter said the only thing that she even felt bad about a little bit was that temporary transition where she would have to temporarily leave her family to be with Jesus. She knew who she was. She knew whose she was. And she knew that she had done all she can to share that love with her husband and with her children. I do want to take a couple minutes to talk about who she was because I think it relates to the scripture. Uh, Vanda was an incredible virtuoso trombone player that they brought over from England because she was so good. She was imported uh, into the United States. She probably could have written her ticket because she was so good at what she did. Um, she broke glass ceilings in terms of things that women hadn't done before her. Um, by nature, you know, music can be a very competitive thing, and she really could have written her ticket. She could have gone almost anywhere, but she chose to be the United States, and she chose to eventually not fully lay down the trombone, but lay that down as a profession and go into ministry, into full-time ministry. Um, 
and she was in full-time, she was always really in ministry, but she was in full-time ministry for several years, and my brother and her, I would say, were pretty recognized for the gifts. They were, again, probably slotted in those people that you knew were just going to be the, the bishop or the the leaders in the area, the people that would just be, you know, the leader among leaders in the church. And even within the church, which is, you know, supposed to be seen as something sort of humble, they were seen as leaders and they were recognized as people who would be in charge of others, who were, you know, superstars, Jesus, Jesus Christ's, you know, champions and that sort of thing. And even at that point, they chose for a while to step back even from that, um, because they felt led to be in a situation where they could focus more fully on who they were in Christ and where they could focus on their own family because they saw their own family as their first ministry. Um, and so they stepped back from something that would have been more financially secure. After she had already stepped back from something that would be financially lucrative, she went to secure and from security stepped back to where they really had to just trust God very fully, more uncertain circumstances and that sort of life. And that's just kind of going, this is where God leads. I'm not sure where it's going, but I know that's God, where God's telling me to go. And I remember her saying to me, it was just so important for her to be able to sow into her children, to sow into her husband. And she didn't want anything. She was okay with working. She was a worker in the profession. But her and Dave didn't want anything that would take away from their you know, first call to love the Lord and then their first call on earth which is to love each other and their children and they loved well they loved well to see her children and not just how confident and articulate they are what good people they genuinely are but their awareness of how loved they are and even through this hard time as much as you your heart breaks for what they have to go through for them to be able to say, even through tears with confidence, Mama's in heaven, to know that my brother, as she passed, said, this is temporary. And even as they mourn, they can rejoice for who she is and all she was and who she was. And to hear of the love and the conviction she had of her insistence on focusing on what mattered, and that may mean our house isn't big enough, or big as as big as we would like it to be, or our finances aren't as stable or secure as we want them to be. We're just going to keep, and they didn't go without. We're just going to keep doing as God tells us to do, and it doesn't really matter if people understand or not. We're we're going to seek godly counsel, and we're going to do things God's way. Um, and her insistence on my brother getting a second degree and moving into this, she just, there was so much love flowing out of her and so much conviction flowing out of her. And that left a legacy. I mean, she could have been on a lot more recordings. She could have spoken a lot more, you know. She could have been a lot more important, even in the church's eyes. But I believe she chose what was better and those who love her most are better off because of it and I believe that the kingdom of God is better off because of it and so that's what I get to go see a glimpse of 
<laughs> even now I'm having a hard time not crying. And I might have some tears there. Okay, to celebrate that, even through tears, a life well lived, a life that focused on the good, a life that really tried to draw out what God wants most and to be that to others. And it's with that that I get to go celebrate my daughter's graduation. And how could I do that without thinking about what I want for her? And I'll be honest, as her mom, I mean, what mom wants their daughter to struggle? I don't want them to not know where their next meal's coming from. I don't want them to have to question what I'm supposed to do with my life. I love all those great things, but what I really want most for my daughter is what my sister-in-law had and has. I want that hope that goes beyond this life. I want her to seek good things, but to seek God first. I want her to love and to cooperate and to be a peacemaker more than I want her to win. And as I'm thinking about this, I'm reading James, James 3, and it talks about these two different kinds of wisdoms, two different things people chase after in this world. And he says, James 3, 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom and quotations, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. It sounds very spiritual. Well, you're going after it. You're going after the things that you know you want and the things you know you think you deserve. And when you do it, and who cares who gets hurt because this is what I want, when that becomes most important, when your ambition outweighs the love, that's not from God. That's something in you that came from straight from hell. Saying it. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. To many people, those are weak words. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy, impartial, sincere. I mean, aren't we supposed to take a side? Aren't we supposed to be against people? who are against what we believe. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. The Greek of this form of that last verse literally translates, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those making peace.
piece here is not talking about just everyone getting along. It's certainly not talking about everybody agreeing. God never said we all have to agree on everything at all times. That 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 isn't thou shalt agree with each other. You know, thou shalt all like the Steelers better than the Bills. Well, I mean, I do I, I prefer the Steelers, so I do think you all should like the Steelers better than the Bills. But that's not from God, that's from me. And you know what? I can love you and you can love Jesus, even if you like the Bills. And Steelers are still better. But anyways, <laughs> I need to make myself laugh here. talking about peace really in this case it's about not the opposite of war it's the opposite of pieces you know peace wholeness rather than division you know because the opposite of peace is division you know peace or pieces that's wholeness among the body of Christ people who love the Lord even when we don't agree wholeness among humanity People who value what's good, even if we don't believe in the same things. Being able to love each other beyond that difference in opinion. There's something good and holy about that. Not insisting on pulling out the bad things about people. Maybe being aware of it, but not defining people by their weaknesses or their mess-ups. I certainly don't want to be defined by mine. about this wholeness and this unity. It's talking about that relationship with God being the center of relationship with everything else. It's centeredness. I don't mean centeredness in the sense of transcendental yoga where you go, you know, the earth is everything. No, God is everything and we can all be made one in Christ. That, that. So when I look at my daughter, who I love so much, and who brings me so much joy. And it's been such an honor to mother. I see everything she's done. I see everything I want her to do. Every way she wants to go. And I honestly... I don't, I don't care if she makes a ton of money. I'd rather have an easy life. But that's not the most important thing to me. I want her to have character. I want her to be centered in Christ. I want her to care more about the relationships in her life and about showing love to people and about receiving love from people than about winning or conquering or making all the money in the world. And I want her not to make some of the same mistakes I did where I focused too much on doing, even doing for God, where I should have been focusing more on being with God and being with people. There's a wisdom that seems like it's right for us, even in the church, that leads right to division. That's why we have really dumb wars like the Crusades. That's why people who say they love the love the, who lo say they love the Lord or any God that they say they serve, how can you bow down to them and be so hateful to everybody else? It's not from God. But look at what I want for my daughter. As I watch her graduate, and I probably, I'm going to cry some tears of joy and anticipation on Friday night. 
And what I really want for her is what I know that my sister-in-law had and gave. And I thank God for that example. And I thank God for the ability to mourn. And I thank God for a wisdom that says we don't have to hold on to the things that hurt us. We don't have to hold on to selfish ambition. We don't have to hold on to me, me, me. We don't have to hold on to envy. We don't have to pretend it's good and we certainly don't have to pretend it's not there. We can just give it. Thank you, Vanda. And thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all the lives that have gone before us that have shown us just what is possible when somebody just dares to love you and let that be their thing. Even as I mourn the loss and the loss and the even greater loss that it is for those who are closest to her, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the great possibilities that I see in my daughter and my granddaughter and in my son-in-law. I thank you for the possibilities that are born every day in each new conception, each new child. And I thank you that as we live this life where we decide there are things better to live for than just our own egocentrism, that you give us joy here in that, as it says in that prayer, in dying, we're born to eternal life. God, thank you so much that that's true of all of us, Lord. Just be praised in your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends.